0: welcome back to ways to love your money I'm Elizabeth Dawson and we want to just have a great show today I can't wait to introduce you to miss Victoria Rose she has a powerhouse of a young female financial entrepreneur out there and I think you're really gonna love that interview but before we get into that what i want to talk to you is that if you have any questions about social security we have a social security guide which i'm holding up right here but those of you that are listening uh, you're welcome to give us a call at 619-640-2622 and we'll be happy to get you a copy of this because They've said that there's thousands of different you know, different ways that we can actually elect our Social Security and probably a lot of benefits that you don't realize exist. So if you'd like to get a copy of this, we'd be happy to get it to you. Uh, just give us a call. Give us your email. We'll make sure we take care of you. Again, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Miss Victoria Rose, and I think you'll just enjoy that interview as much as I will. Mm, bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome back everyone. This is Ways to Love Your Money. I'm Elizabeth Dawson and we have Victoria Rose and she is a female entrepreneur here in San Diego and we are excited about this interview with her. So welcome Miss Victoria. It's great to have you here. You know, in your background, we have executives extension. So this is part of your business here in San Diego. I can't wait to hear all about that, but thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored to be here with
0: you today, Elizabeth. Good, good. So, so tell me a little bit about you. You, you have some stories. We, we obviously talk about uh, ways to love your money as a money show. So, um, I asked you earlier if you were from Sydney, and you just told me, no, I'm not. So, I kind of want to start, you know, the conversation there. So, where, where did life begin for you?
1: Life began began in New Jersey. All over, it was all over. So, I was raised by a single mom. It was just her and I. Um, I'm an only child and uh, we lived in like a really small town in Hunterdon County called Clinton, New Jersey. And um, I'm going to try to paint a picture for you really quick so um, that what that is is uh, think of like a Hallmark Christmas movie and it's like a small town and everybody knows each other. That's what it was like. So we lived above a little storefront there in Clinton and um, I would go every morning and walk my puppy down the street and all the store owners knew me and I was like the town kid. We lived there till I was 10, and then my mom purchased her first house, and that was in Middlesex Borough, New Jersey, oh, wow. and I lived there with her for a little while, um, and then life kind of took a turn around 15, 16. My, my mom is a great person and an amazing, strong woman, mm-hmm. but she made some poor decisions later in her life, and mm-hmm. I actually ended up in foster care.
0: Oh, wow. So, wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, from 18, uh, I was in foster care and I was adopted three days before I turned 18, uh, foster family. Um, But I'm I'm by myself now, so I actually don't have any communication or connection with them anymore. Um, And I decided to move out to California five years ago. Um, The reason being was to, it was an attempt to bond myself with my extended family here. Um, so I was really just looking for that connection. And, um, you know, it wasn't so successful, but that's okay because I made a great life for myself here. And so now um, it's been five years, October 3rd mark, five years since I have now been in San Diego.
0: Well, congratulations. That's pretty amazing. I mean, wow, what a, what a journey through life. I mean, when we started talking about this initially, you know, um, the money, the money question, right? So was money abundant? Was money... Was money scarce when you were young? Was was uh, did you have a concept of money and and how it you know how hard it was to live or how easy it was to live? What what, what was your concept about money back then?
1: Absolutely. Um, so I learned the value of a dollar from a very young age, and that was because uh, we didn't have much at all. So my mom was a single mom and didn't have a support system with family. Uh, we we had a pretty dysfunctional family, and so. She was a really strong independent woman. I mean, we were on welfare and we did have food stamps, but this woman was working anywhere from two to three jobs at a time. If that meant loading me up in the car at, you know, two, three in the morning to go deliver newspapers first thing in the morning, she did it. Mm. So, um, I mean, at one point she became a cosmetologist and tried to support us that way and then leverage her secretarial certificate and was a secretary at Lucent. Until so they went down and run. Wow. Um, But we didn't have much. A lot of what I had was hand me downs um, or church giveaways. And, um, you know, we would go into stores and my mom would say, look, but don't touch. You know, keep your hands in your pocket because I learned very, from a very young age that things cost money and we don't have money to purchase them mm-hmm. if it breaks or things of that nature.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how do you think that that's um, basically made you who you are today? How do, you, how do you think that that's influenced you in your decisions and, and how you live your life today? I,
1: yeah, I mean, I saw my mom struggle. And, you know, I didn't have a bad life. I, I had a life filled with love and affection and um, things that were not materialistic. But I also knew that I didn't want to struggle like my mom did. Mm-hmm. And so I learned uh, from a very young age that there's wealth in education, mm. and I just made sure that I did a really great job in school, and I got some scholarships and made sure that I went to college, because, um, you know, growing up, I was always told that in order to make money, you had to go to school and get a mm. degree, and you had to be really educated, and then everything would fall into place. And so, actually, from seven years old, little seven-year-old Victoria I would tell everybody I wanted to be a lawyer. And I said I was going to be a lawyer from the time that I was seven up until I got to Seton Hall, which that was my number one choice school I got into. It It was number one in the tri-state area for law at the time. And I was the youngest person in a pre-legal summer program. And I think I might have been a little too young and immature to be in that program in retrospect, thinking mm. back, but it completely turned me off from wanting to be an attorney. <laughs> I said, i am done this. And then I went back after that summer and I switched over to the Stillman School of Business and I got my degree in business economics. But, you know, basically what I'm getting at here, Elizabeth, is that I always knew that I wanted to be successful.
0: Mm. Well, I think that it's, it's a, a passion for people to really find where their roots are and to kind of drive them, and, and you are a self-starter for sure. You are, you are definitely someone that has uh, seen a vision for what you wanted your life to be, and you never look back, it doesn't sound like.
1: No, that's right, I never have, never will.
0: <laughs> so, so, so that kind of leads you into, you, you went through school, you got um, business and economics as your background, um, so how did you start in the, in the workforce?
1: Yeah. So, um, great question. I actually started off my career, um, kind of in more of like a corporate finance type role. So, um, like my mom, natural born hustler all through college, I worked three jobs. So I had my paid internship. I, um, I and I also got paid to give ad hoc presentations to high school kids about how to get into college. Wow. And so that internship was a two year internship and um, I got hired after graduation, and it was for a forensic economic consulting firm, Mouthful. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and it was really cool because I was still got to kind of touch the law aspect of things, right? So um, it's really just fancy words to explain that attorneys would hire us as economists to look at their case files and had my, you know, my uh, client not been injured or mm-hmm. wrongfully terminated or ha- or died, you know, they would have made X amount of dollars from the, the time of the incident through their life expectancy. Mm. And so it was um, me going through the file, you know, coming up with a, a, a summary of what happened. So kind of like using my writing skills and then also crunching numbers and coming up with those bottom line figures. And I loved what I did, mm-hmm. but I realized uh, pretty quickly that in order for me to grow in that field, I would have to get my PhD and become an expert testifying economist. And that wasn't something I was interested in. So I ended up going back on campus, getting an on-campus interview, and I started with Prudential Financial in wow. kind of like an operations role, and I was doing some of their billing, and about a year into that, I got promoted and got moved to the headquarters in Newark, New Jersey, and I started on the corporate finance side, so doing more like FP&A, Financial Planning and Analysis. And um, you know, after about three years of working there, I found myself in the workforce again, and I registered with a staffing agency, and they said we think you'd be great for this role,
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: was called business manager, and it was a three-part role. So it was an office assistant or uh, office manager, executive assistant, and uh, financials, but on the departmental level. And um, it was the first opportunity that I had to be an independent contributor, mm-hmm. and so I kind of just hit the ground running. My first day, my boss sat me down. He said, "Listen, Victoria, I'm a sales guy." He says, I like to be out in the field and I like to bring the money in. He mm-hmm. goes, I need someone to be my home base who's going to be here in the office, run everything, and kind of tell me what I need to do. Yeah. And here I'm like 26 years old, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as you can tell, I never shy away from a challenge. And he told me, He's like, I see soft skills in you that I can't teach. I can teach you the technical skills. And within seven months, I had, I was his first FTE that he hired, and I had that entire business functioning Mm. um in a great way and so that was with uh broadridge financial and it was the consulting sector so it was like a new branch off that they had added and we built that organization up and that was when i was i decided like i just had this void and i knew i needed family and i decided it was time and
0: moved to san diego so wow and started all over again So, so, you have family out here cousins, siblings?
1: Extended family. So, it's my great uncle, great aunt, um, who unfortunately my great uncle passed away mm. almost three years ago now. So, and um, then a whole bunch of second and third cousins. Mm-hmm. And, um, and things were great for a while there. Mm-hmm. I, I actually lived with them for three years when I first moved out wow. here. Wow. And um, big Italian family. Our mm-hmm. house was set up kind of like a combine, like everybody had their own space. <laughs> but uh, when Poppy passed away, um, you know, they say death does one of two things. It either brings families closer together or yeah. it tears them apart. And that's kind of what happened with us. So Aww. We'll see what happens, what's in the future.
0: But Well, it's yeah. kind of interesting because we have a lot of things that are um, kind of aligned. Um, I'm very familiar <laughs> with where you grew up. Um, I lived in New Jersey myself in my early 20s. I have family all over, you know, New Jersey and New York State, and um, it's one of those things where family here is very sparse, but family back on the East Coast is very abundant, and uh, it's been a blessing to be close to that family, too, when I could be. Um, I didn't, move, I mean, I moved back for a short time, but I didn't stay very long, um, but its uh, it's been a journey, and, and so I, I appreciate the fact that you have, you know, family roots, and you know, big Italian family and all those things, too. So those are, those are wonderful, wonderful things to, to be part of. So, so I, I commend you. You're, you're, you know, you're a make-it-happen kind of gal. You're an entrepreneur. You're a women-owned business. And, and uh, let's talk a little bit about um, your company now and, and really what steered you in that direction because I think along the way, um, financial security has been a part of your, you know, greatest achievements as well. So how did it all come together?
1: Yeah, great question. So, um, just before COVID, I found myself unemployed and out of a, a job that provided me a really comfortable six figure salary. Mm. And, you know, it's not that that came overnight. I worked really hard. You know, I started from the ground up when I moved here to San Diego and I had a few different um, executive assistant roles. And then uh you know I landed that last role and then when it when it was taken away I'm like okay it's not going to be that difficult you know mm-hmm. with my skill set with my education with my experience I'm going to land another role like in a couple of weeks I'm going to bounce right back <laughs> And then boom covid hit <laughs> wow wow and it was like all these companies weren't hiring and everybody was on a freeze people were getting furloughed or even just laid off completely And it was a couple really tough months of just, you know, applying, you know, aggressively and being turned down and denied left and right. And then I even, I even started applying for some roles beneath me and like, you know, I don't want to say like beneath me, but like way under what I was making. And then I'm overqualified, right? And so I got to a place of, I wanted to stop feeling sorry for myself. And I, I started thinking out of the box. So I said... You know all these experience that I have. Why don't I take that and and basically translate that to support the average entrepreneur, small mm-hmm. business owner, celebrity, athlete? And um, I was presented with an opportunity to kind of be like a personal assistant to this one individual, and I started wrapping my head around it and trying to run the numbers and come up with a business model. And I said, okay. One, one entrepreneur or one business owner might not be able to replace my six-figure corporate salary, mm-hmm. but three could. And mm-hmm. when I was working in corporate, I was supporting anywhere from uh, two to four executives at a time. Wow. And so I was, this, is, this is doable. Mm-hmm. Like, I can do this. And so I built this structure. I built this business model with the intention of bringing on at least three clients under executives extension. And, and that would be how I would kind of get afloat again. And so then I did the soft launch on social media where I announced what I was going to be doing. And Elizabeth, when I tell you, like the outpour of support that I got, I had so many people reaching out to me and said, I've been displaced from work. You know, I, I'm looking for a new skill set. I'm looking for a new trade. Like I want, to, I want to be a part of what you're doing. It was overwhelming. I had mm-hmm. over 50 people reach out to me mm-hmm. and said that they wanted to work with my company. So I'm like, wow, there's a real like need for this. Mm-hmm. But I obviously need to find clients. So I started brainstorming around how I can make this happen, and that was the birth of Virtual Victoria. So I'm planning, or I'm in the process of creating this course curriculum. Mm -hmm. And um, so in my packages that I offer my clients, there's 12 standard administrative services that I provide. Um, And so the curriculum is going to be built out to support that. So there's going to be 12 different courses that are aligned with these services. And it's going to teach you from the comfort of your home how to become a virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. And then, upon successful completion of the course, there's a possibility that you may be able to land a paid client contract with Executives Extension working as a virtual Victoria. Mm. But I just wanted to create a different type of workforce solution for the current COVID climate that we're in. Mm -hmm. So many people are working from home. So many companies are realizing they don't need all of this leasing space that they're spending on overhead expenses. Mm -hmm. So I want to create an opportunity for someone to learn a trade that will allow you to make six figures from the comfort of your home. Mm. Support and realizing that you can add value. And you have to be a service minded person to do sure, this though.
0: Sure. Well service yeah. is you know, service is the number one trade, right? You know, taking care of people and doing things that they need so that they can get out of their own way, if you will, um, and do the things that they're good at. So that's incredible, incredible story because you have to be such a go getter and such a um, unique individual to be to want to take this out on your own. But boy, you've really created a lot of vision and creativity which is exciting
1: it's well, a revolutionary uh, virtual experience mm-hmm. for the average entrepreneur small business owner celebrity athlete I mean, it's an it's a completely untapped market mm-hmm. um, in comparison to what's out there because currently i mean you can get a virtual assistant in the philippines or even you know uh, india but you're going to deal with um, time zone differences mm-hmm. language barriers the inability to be the boots on the ground when necessary. So this, this, this is kind well, of Well,
0: this, like, this sounds like a wonderful game plan for you and a great business model. And I think you're going to do incredible things. And I know we're getting close to the end here on the show. I can't wait to meet you in person one of these days. I think it'll be great. I, I think we both <laughs> share something, uh, which is called the um, SD Power Women, and it's through Discovery Magazines, and we're both a part of that. So that's been a joy to, to get to know you through that organization, which is fantastic. And uh, I would love for you to just come back on the show, and maybe we can answer some of the other questions that you, you originally told us about you, and, and uh, get to know you even a little bit more. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. Back
1: and congratulations on being honored this year at Thank that event. Thank, that you, you, as well. Thank so. you. Thank you, you Very as well. Accomplishment. Thank
0: you. Thank you, you as well. Yes. Well, isn't Victoria an amazing entrepreneur at work here? She has got a vision, she's got a plan, and she's going to make it happen. So if you're out there and you're thinking that you need to make it happen and you want to ask any questions of Victoria or myself, don't hesitate and don't procrastinate. You can give us a call at 619-640-2622, and we'll put you in touch with the right people. All right, take care, stay tuned, we'll be right back. Wasn't Victoria amazing? If you have any ideas that you're thinking about and you're afraid to break through, I think that there's been amazing opportunities for for people of all ages to reinvent themselves and re recreate you know due to covid this has been this shutdown world they're talking about shutting it down again and how can we be more creative to be able to open up opportunities for people to create success and have su- successful careers what I love about Victoria she wants to give it back she wants to educate and have even more people come part of her business so uh, those are those are things that are close to my heart as a female financial um, entrepreneur you know this This is something that is a passion for me each and every day. You can obviously see with Victoria, it's a passion each and every day for her too. So again, just to wrap up, there is a question from our audience that came in. I'm going to have Rachel say it to me and then we'll wrap up today's show. I received unemployment during COVID-19 and was paid more than I usually make. I'm now back at work, but I am worried about the amount of taxes I will have to pay. What should I do for my 2020 taxes? Well, that's a great question because that means a lot of people have actually had this exposure. One of the things that they don't necessarily tell you is that you're going to have to pay taxes on that. If you didn't have taxes withheld along the way, you're going to have a pretty rude awakening when it comes springtime next year when you go to do your taxes. You might want to do a fourth quarter review right now and find a tax professional that can help you give them your information about what you received from from you know unemployment the additional income any income that you're earning from an employer now because you don't want this rude awakening of saying, "Oh gosh, I got all this money, I have nothing left, and I have nothing to pay my taxes." So do yourself a favor if you need help with, you know, inter- introducing yourself to a financial, prof- I mean, a tax professional. Uh, we will be happy to to put you in touch. Now is the time. And again, if you want to get anything about the Social Security guide that we talked about at the beginning of the show, make sure that you reach out to us. We'll get it to you. And then, in addition, you know, our show always is an open invitation for you to give us a call to do an open consultation with you as well. So. Hope this show was amazing for you as it was for us and stay tuned next week we'll be back with another take care